I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by B21, a platform which helps you start your journey with cryptocurrencies. Visit b21.io slash hustleshare and get $2 upon signing up. Also by Ideaspace, a nonprofit supporting innovation and technopreneurship as a path to nation building. Ideaspace runs an annual startup competition. For more information, make sure to sign up for their newsletter at ideaspacefoundation.org slash connect. Also powered by Podmetrics, the only analytics platform you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code HUSTLESHARE. You know, I, I think, you know, people should not really think about failure as something that's not meant to happen, right? Uh, you should always think of failure as meant to happen because that's the only way you're going to learn. Welcome to HUSTLESHARE. The podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beithyong. Welcome to episode 102 of the Hustle Share Podcast. My name is Ronster, and I'm your host. And this episode is powered by B21, a platform which helps you start your journey with cryptocurrencies. We are a proud affiliate of the Podcast Network Asia, but before we begin, we'd like to remind you that this podcast contains not safe for work language. So make sure there are no kids when you're listening to this. Because today we'll be featuring one of the pioneers of the on-demand economy here in the Philippines. And his name is Mr. Stefano Fazzini of Metromart. Now, before Stefano and his team pioneered the on-demand grocery delivery here in the Philippines, 
we will go all the way back because he's going to share what it was like being immersed in his father's business when he was young and what it was like studying in London as a business student where he started an investment fund as a young age. Then Stefano is also going to share his first taste of failure when he got fired in his first job in an investment firm and decided to go back to the Philippines to start over again, which eventually led him to found his very first startup called Twit Music, which got accelerated in Silicon Valley by 500 startups, also became a very popular platform that was used by Ariana Grande, Shakira, Lil Wayne, and many more. But it wasn't rainbows and butterflies because despite all of their traction, Twit Music failed. And Stefano's also gonna share how he was able to bounce back with his team and create Metromart while being bootstrapped and also applying all the lessons he learned while failing in Twit Music. And then the conversation gets better and better because he will share how they were able to compete with big competitors and how they were able to adapt and actually expand during the pandemic and stick around till the end because he has very very good advice especially for entrepreneurs trying their way to bounce back from failure and from the struggles of this pandemic so if you're ready to learn the hustle behind metro mart let's begin this episode right now Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share Podcast. We are going to be talking to one of the OGs that actually, I've known this guy for close to almost a decade now um, because he's one of the very few that actually was there and actually had a very successful startup when the the startup wave happened here in the Philippines. <laughs> but before I get carried away, like always, let's welcome to the show, Stefano Fazzini of Metromart. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> Steph, well, well, awesome. welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks. All right. So, um, um, th- well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Nah, dude, uh, we, we, you were supposed to be here earlier again. Things happened. I know. I remember. I know. I remember we were supposed to do it on Father's Day. And I think I, I was, <laughs> it's so funny because you forgot it was Father's Day. Like, like, are you sure you really want to do this because it's Father's Day? <laughs> And yeah, then, exactly. Uh, Actually, I knew the day before, and I was like, "Oh shoot, I overcommitted." That <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. It's funny, and again, fair game. But you know what? It's a better uh, time now because there's more listeners, especially, and there's more buyers in that can do that. But before I get carried That's away, awesome. Steph, what's your hustle? Cool. So, well, basically, I'm the I am the CEO, co-founder of MetroMart. Um, we're essentially the, the number one online grocery delivery service here in the Philippines. There you go. And we've been we've been operating since 2016. And so we're partnered with um, you know retailers like SNR, um, Robinson Supermarket, Ristan Shopwise, Pet Express, um, National Bookstore, Baby Company, Toy Kingdom, and so on. Wow. And we allow our customers to essentially shop from you know our app, whether mobile or web, and we deliver those items to their door within two hours. And so that's two really hours. our commitment is two hours. Yeah. I mean, you, you can schedule it same day or seven days in advance, but um, you know, majority of our customers really go for on-demand delivery. On-demand, and that, that's what it is. It, the, the, I mean, there's a, na- a term to it. Before a couple years ago, that doesn't even exist. It's called the on-demand economy. Like everything now is on-demand, yeah. right? So exactly, you're literally at the forefront because before that even happened as a term per se, you're already doing this. But before 
that. I need you to buckle up, my man, because we're going to ride the Hustle Share Time Machine. Again, sounds like the stuff that your daughter listens to. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, Cinderella. <laughs> hey, but Actually, let me... Actually, going back in time. Going back to those times, <laughs> Cinderella. <laughs> yeah, the fairies are there. But again, to my Hustle Share listeners, this might be the last episode that I'm going to use the Hustle Share Time Machine sound effect like that. We're investing <laughs> in better sounds now. That actually sounds like a fucking time machine. But Steph, I want to understand. Wow. So how was it like growing up? Because I never actually got to ask you this. I've known you for a while. You know, we've hung out both here in the Philippines and in other countries like Singapore and whatnot. But I'm curious, um, what, did you grow up here or did you grow up in Italy? No, so, you know, I actually grew up here. I was born in the Philippines. Um, mm. I'm half Filipino, half Italian. So I'm, my yeah. mom's Filipina, my dad's Italian. Okay. Um, I was born here. And then I studied here until uh, middle school. Okay. High school, I went to Italy. And then I, I moved to London for university. And then I came back in 2008. Um, I mean, my, my family has a business here. So I came back, essentially worked for my, my family business for like one, one to two years. Um, and eventually, that's when I started my my first company with my brother, my first startup. Right, I remember, I remember yeah. this. Uh, so, yeah. but let me just go do a deep dive here. <laughs> yep. Um, let me just do a little deep dive here. So, you were born out of uh, un- uh, an entrepreneurial family, and again, a lot of former guests here either attribute their their uh, appetite for risk in business because of early influences. Right, and the Italians are very popular also for being business-minded people. So, uh, describe yeah. to me how 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 was that like growing up, and what did what did your parents do that you know left the left like the, the these marks on you that oh okay so that's how you do business. Oh, what was that like? Yeah, actually, that's a very good question. Um, you know, my, my dad basically owns, um, you know, he's owned the company over 25 years. And so, you know, I, I kind of grew up around that entrepreneurial spirit, that mentality, approach, um, and lifestyle, right? Um, and, and, you know, ever since I was a kid, essentially, I would always, he would bring me to his office. He would, he would I mean, not, not teach me about his business, but I think I would subconsciously see it, everything happening around it, right? Got it. Um, and then eventually, you know, I, I you know, uh, when I was a teenager, I was studying in Italy. He would actually go to Italy to do a lot of these, um, to these food fairs because he's a food distributor, right? So he supplies, ah. um, he, he does wholesale importation and distribution of food products from, from abroad. He, he does wholesale for like uh, to, to hotels, restaurants, supermarkets, no and so way. on, right? Wow. Yeah, and he's been doing that for 25 years. So he, you know, he, when, I, when I was in high school in Italy, he would go to, um, we would go to these food fairs. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's, there were a lot of like food producers and, and manufacturers there. And, you know, I, I would go to all those meetings. I would, I would see how, how they would sell, how, they, mm-hmm. how my dad would pitch, how they would pitch their product. Mm-hmm. And eventually what was interesting is that they, they would, these um, producers of like, let's say mozzarella cheese or salami or right. even wine would invite us to their actual factories. Um, wow. And you know, I I, cre- I think that created a lot a big impact because I would really see how how things worked, right? How they actually put it up together. You know, putting up a factory is not easy. Right. Um, you know, manufacturing facility is not easy, right? But y- y- you think you think it's easy because you just see it and it's there. 
Right. But but the, the workings of of um, you know how to produce a product, I would actually see it firsthand. And and you know every every other year, I, I would participate in, in these in these conferences or events. Mm. And um, you know, I think it, it really developed that 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 thinking around building building something and operating something. Mm-hmm. Now again, being around your dad and seeing how he hustled as well, right? Uh, that all there there are there's gonna be a lot of of a, a foundation built in you about uh, things in business that uh, he believes in. Because like for example, I'll just uh, uh, compare like you know the Chinese always hover their business around frugality and being slow, you know, the being very cash flow uh, intensive. Uh, same same with also the Indians, but with the Italian way of doing business, what what's it like? What what's what are the tenets or the principles that uh, Italian businesses usually do? Um, so I think well, it's it's more relationship driven, mm, um, yes. and so it's about establishing some sort of rapport with with that person, right? Um, Italians are very um, how do you call it like. Amicable and yeah. and amiable. Like whenever they're around each other, they, they always try to not just engage in business, but talk about food, talk about right. culture, talk about fashion, talk about um, you know weather, coffee, <laughs> and and so yeah. I think that's what brings them together. And yeah. um, and so that that's I, I think in the Philippines is very similar, right? Everything's really mm-hmm. relationship driven. Like if you look at the U.S., um, I, I think they're very performance centric. So it's it's all about like credibility is built on on uh, uh, achievement and tasks right so if you work with someone you really establish credibility with them because if you tr- if you if that person performs right that cre- that credibility builds right mm-hmm. um with that with that person but in, in i think in other countries like i don't know italy and and, and you know, can be like japan and so on mm-hmm. even in the philippines that that credibility is not built through performance it's really built through the relationship that's correct. Now, okay, I, I want to understand. So you said you went back to Italy and then you started university in London. I'm pretty sure there was a big part that you were fully independent at that point. What do you take up and what was that experience like for you, especially in building your 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 foundation uh, as a future entrepreneur? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I, so I think it, it opened up my mind into, um, you know, it opened up my mind outside of what I knew in the Philippines and Italy. Okay. So I think London is very, um, you know, business driven, right? Got it. Um, like it's the financial capital of Europe, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was studying business and finance, right? My dream was really to become like an investment banker oh. um, because that was the hype, right? There was, um, okay. you know, a lot of the investment bankers were living the life <laughs> back then, I yeah. guess. Um, and, and so I, I really wanted to be a, you know, successful banker and, um, after, so that's why I studied business and finance. And eventually after I graduated, I got a job for, um, as a proprietary trader, oh, um, wow. in a trading firm. Okay. Yeah. But you know, actually I got the job in 2008 when the, when the okay. crisis hit, right? The recession. Oh, shit. That's like the worst um, time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wow. But then I got, but then I got, I got fired before that because the, um, Apparently, they told me I was going out of scope in terms of trading oil spreads. I was doing oil spreads, right? Okay. Although I did, I did make more money for the firm. I was okay. going out of scope and taking more risk, and eventually they uh, they fired me for that. But I think it was because of the recession. Then, um, but that, that that's did. also a sign of entrepreneurship because one thing about us entrepreneurs is that 
what rules? The rules are meant to be bent anyway, right? Just at the end of it, you exactly. want to stretch the boundaries of what can be done exactly. and not just be doing things based on tradition and the tenets that have been there uh, before. So, F that shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I think. <laughs> um, in, in, that, in that said, after uh, doing your first jobs, what, 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 did you go back to the Philippines? What, what was that like? Yeah, so I went back to the Philippines. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I, you know, I was kind of depressed or sad that I lost my job. Right. And so my dad said, why don't you come back to the Philippines, work for, um, you know, the family company, get some experience here. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. Okay. Um, and then uh, I, I worked with him for, I think, close to two years um, and what on, did you on do the marketing on side. Ah, marketing. Okay. Yeah, well, more in marketing. So he, my, you know, my dad imports a lot of uh, products, right? And so I, I would essentially um, do product launches uh, in in restaurants or hotels where we would introduce, let's say, a bottle of wine or uh, you know balsamic vinegar, for example, right? You're <laughs> and, making me um, hungry. I just had breakfast. <laughs> yeah, all exactly. These things that you're telling me make her, making me hungry. What the hell? Yeah, and, and and I found it interesting because these were like very interesting products as well, right? I would I would like sell mozzarella cheese or buffalo mozzarella, oh my right? God. Um, <laughs> and and you know all my friends were like, oh, I love the, these products. So it, it kind of motivated right. me to kind of sell them more and introduce them to the market. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's where the business development side came in, um, that, that experience. That hustle, because you, you are now assigned on the ground. Because before, growing up, you were watching as these things happen, but you weren't in the front lines doing that. And now you're at the front lines. What changed in your perspective? So you said the business development came in, but in terms of perspective and skills that you developed during that tenure, what did you learn? Um, you mean the tenure in, in, um, the family company? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, 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 I did learn how to, um, that, you know, not, not to take things for granted. Um, you know, my, my dad didn't really spoon feed me. So he, he, he just threw me in a desk and he said, uh, do some accounting work. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, but I, I didn't, back then I didn't take it seriously. Right. Um, okay because I was still young. I just graduated from university. I wanted to have some fun. Um, but you know, he was, he was very strict. Um, you know, he was a disciplinarian, I guess, in that aspect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, despite making all the mistakes from over partying and, um, you know, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. Um, but you, you do learn a lot from it, right? Like you, Eventually, you have to kind of get that out of the way. No, it's a phase, and and, and I always say this, right? Exactly. Uh, don't don't judge people just because they they're a heavy party goer. Because at the end of the day, everybody goes through that, and the younger you get through that without making a lot of, of really stupid mistakes, you get over that, and you can get your shit straightened out, right? Because a lot of people, exactly. I, it's so weird. The late bloomers are the ones who really typically mess it up. Because these are the ones who are trying to be uptight when they when they grow, and then they try to you know make up for lost time and party when they're older. Yeah. When they're uh, uh, things, um, I mean the 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 things are already uh, higher in terms of what's what's at stake, right? So yeah. Anyway, we're yeah, talking, we're, exactly. we'll not deviate from this. Can be a whole new topic. We're just partying. That's our old life. We don't do that shit anymore. Okay. A lot of memories. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But okay, now I want to understand uh, before we take a break. What did you? What pushed you to become an entrepreneur? Because you started 
a pretty awesome uh, startup when I when I met you around 2012, like what I said. It was called Twit Music. Was there anything that you did prior to that? And, or, or was there a, a turning point that made you really, uh, uh, okay, I want to do this? Uh, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think what, what, what made me want to start a business, I think it was just really the, my, my, the mentality I, I had, I guess, at that time, right? I always wanted to start something and build something like meaningful, right? Um, like back, back in university, actually in London, I, I, I mean, I started two things, right? I also, I also started an investment fund, um, oh. where we, I, I was actually the vice president of the investment society in university, right? Wow. Actually, there was no vice president role. I was, I wanted to uh, come in, okay. but I wanted to be the president of the <laughs> investment society. Okay. Um, but there was already a president, right? Mm. And so, you know, I went up to the. Uh, the president of, of that society and I said okay well why don't you open up a vice president role because wow. I want to be vice president <laughs> and wow. so eventually they opened up the vice president role right okay. and and so what, what, what I did on, on, on the side in, in university is I put up an investment fund because I actually loaned uh, $3,000 from my mom back in high school in, in, in Italy mm-hmm. and I read this book called how to make money in stocks right and and, um, and I just applied the same candlestick you know, chart analysis principles and stuff like yeah. that. And then I, I actually made a little bit over a hundred percent in three months from one stock. Oh, and I remember wow. the stock was called Columbus McKinnon. It was ticker CMCO. I made over a little bit over a hundred percent in three months. And so I doubled uh-huh. the money. But when I went to university, I told all my friends about it. And, you know, uh-huh. back then I had friends with, you know, a lot of money. And, um, you know, I, I was able to raise around 50,000 US dollars from all my friends. <laughs> What? And, um, Just so do you yeah. invest their money too? In the U.S. stock market, yeah. Because wow. I told them I made 100% in three months, right? And so everyone was so keen. They were all business and um, finance uh, majors, right? Right, right. And so I, then I opened an account in E-Trade and I put that on margins. So I was technically investing around 4X that amount, literally yeah. trading, like day trading or, you know, so correct, it was around 200,000 U.S. and so on. But eventually I started another company um, well, it, it wasn't an official company, mm-hmm. but what we created was a, it was a, a touch screen when, when oh. the iPods came out where you can yeah. actually go to this touch screen within university okay. and you can stick in your iPod and then you can download music, right? And podcasts. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, but that didn't, you know, do so well, but, um, yeah. so I think it was just the, the mentality I had to build something. So there are already meaningful. few. Prior tries, I thought that uh, Twit Music was the re- very first uh, jump that you did. So there are already well, prior the official tries. one. Correct, correct. But yeah. again, um, there's already that itch. They call it the entrepreneurial itch that you you want yeah, to scratch. Correct. All right, now before we talk itch and to talk about Twit, that uh, your Twit Music official business. Let's take our first break, and when we come back, let's talk about what you now did as an official entrepreneur. Well, let's talk about that more after the break. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. 
With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact 24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph. That's saschallenge.ph. And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back in the break. We're still with Stefano Fazzini of MetroMart. But before he was the founder of MetroMart, I met this guy because he was tweeting and musicking <laughs> in, in his old <laughs> startup, uh, Twit Music. And back then, oh my God, I remember... Uh, how much everybody looked up to you because you were the first startup here in the Philippines that got invested on by 500 startups. Not the Durian one. This is the one in Mountain View, correct? Now, yeah. uh, before yeah. you even got there, what, how did you build Twit Music and uh, what was the, the, the problem it was trying to solve? Okay, well, um, so in, in 20, I think it was 2011, or yeah, before that, there was a there was another service called TwitPick. TwitPick. And and yeah, and it what it did it it allowed users to essentially post photos onto Twitter, right? Because Twitter wasn't accepting any upload of media back then. And and so they were doing quite well. Um, actually, they were doing very well, and they didn't get any funding. It was hundred percent owned by the founder, right? Wow. Um, and they were monetizing via ads and so on, and so all these celebrities were using it. And so what I did was, you know, I went to my brother, who's also my co-founder and CTO of Metromart right now. Um, you know, I said, well, why don't we, why don't we buy twitmusic.com because it's available. <laughs> so we bought the oh. domain and <laughs> on the bet that it would actually become a very expensive domain, right? Hanging okay. on Twitter. Um, but, then, but then eventually we said, okay, well, since we own this domain, why don't we build something on top of it? Right. And, mm. and so that's when the concept came, came about of Twit Music, which is mm. similar to TwitPick where it allowed music artists to post music onto Twitter. So what they would do is they would go to twitmusic.com, create their account by signing into Twitter mm-hmm. and they would, um, they would upload a song, right? So upload the media with yep. a caption and they would click tweet. And so when they click tweet on the twitmusic.com website, it would right. send onto Twitter with the caption and the link twitmusic.com slash, wow. you know, the artist name and so on. Right, and so right, right. a lot of the artist followers would see that on Twitter. They would click on that twitmusic dot com link and get sent to our site and stream the song okay so initially yeah sorry sorry um what when you talk artists i'm just curious who are these artists that we're talking about because i'm looking at your linkedin and my 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 jaws on the floor (laughs) i was like holy shit these are the people that used with music who are these guys 
Yeah, so we had, I mean, we had a lot, we had like 50,000 um, artists globally registered, right? Wow. Um, and they were including like uh, Shakira, um, you know, Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande was actually using Twit Music as her primary platform to post music onto Twitter. Before like, she, she wasn't even using sound, yeah, before she exploded, but she wow. still had like uh, millions of followers, right, on Twitter at that time. Wow. And, um, you know, whenever she would post, she would even go to Twitter and she would say, about to post my song on at with music um what? check it out in one hour right oh my and then God. yeah it was crazy and then she would post it and then literally our site would crash like it was um, <laughs> you know, she, she, she brought a lot of traffic in <laughs> wow. but we had like mc hammer we had little wayne we had the far east what? movement um oh jason mraz enrique right, iglesias right. um brian adams actually I jumped on a call with him Mm-hmm. Um, regarding Twit Music, it was pretty cool. No way. And this is pre-Spotify. So just to provide context as well, Spotify, the way we consume music now is, you know, everything is streamed. In 2012, 2011, yes, there, uh, music was digital, but it's not streamable and there's still a lot of piracy going on. So this yeah. added legitimacy also to, to that, that uh, the artist being in control of what music is getting getting out there. And you wrote that yeah. way pretty well. Um, but I'm curious, how did you build the team for Twit Music? Because aside from you and your brother, I, I, I met some of your, your other folks there too. Um, what was it like and how did you also, from building the team, to get funding from 500? Um, how do we, yeah, so, so basically my, my co-founder was, was my brother okay. um, for Twit Music. And he was a CTO, so... I mean, he's an IT graduate, right? So that, yeah. that's that's kind of like his nice passion. combo. Yeah, exactly. And I and I was more on the business side, so I would um, business and product, right? So I would I would you know do product, but as well as uh, try to do marketing and business development to get artists and labels to use the platform, right? Right. Um, and we we essentially, I mean, it was just basically we we would you know play it as it goes, right? So we would, if we needed one or two developers, we would hire one or two. Um, it was very bootstrapped, right? Got it. Um, we were all like inexperienced mm-hmm. um, as to how to put a startup. So we, we, we didn't have any type of um, rule book or guide, right? right? We just, um, if we needed a developer, we'd hire one. If we needed a salesperson, we'd hire one or marketing and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how we continuously built the team. But eventually after, after three months of launching, um, I heard about 500 startups and I knew that they were essentially accepting startups into their program through referrals, right? So I went oh. through my network and I said, okay, well, who works for 500 startups? I didn't know anyone that worked for 500 startups. And so, <laughs> but I knew a company that came out of the 500 startups. So I, I hit up the guy and I said, hey, can you introduce me to some, someone there? And, um, you know, he liked my idea or so he liked our, our startup and he said, okay, I'll make an introduction. And so that introduction went through. Okay. And um, I got, but I, I didn't stop there. I got another introduction because I wanted to validate these yeah. introductions, right? I wanted to make it more credible. And eventually yeah. I got another one to the same person. And so obviously that person was, um, well, back then was Paul Singh, right? So he was, he was heading yeah. 500 startups together with Dave McClure. Yep. And um, after pitching him on the spot, he essentially said, hey, he said, I like your idea. Um, literally the same day, he said, come, I want you guys to come to Silicon Valley in two months. No or one, way. one month or two months. Wow. Yeah, he so he's like our 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 accelerator program for this batch is starting in two months, but I want you guys there. Figure out how to get to Silicon Valley in two months. And so <laughs> that's when we started what? scrambling everything to 
right to make it now in that accelerator accelerator what when would you go there again um there's so many uh myths and not really myths like you know, people fantasize over what you actually learn in silicon valley I and mean, so we've had guests here that former yc but in the 500 startups route what did you learn and what did how did that accelerate also the growth of twit music um well you, you get you number one you get funding right yeah um and then yeah and then two you get uh introductions to a network of entrepreneurs or you know business owners or key key people within the organizations right yeah um and then the mentorship is also obviously very important right they teach you how to build product how to scale product mm-hmm. um how to optimize product and and obviously a distribution which is very important right distribution would be like more the sales and business development side how to get the product out there mm-hmm. because if you build a, if you like you know like they always say build a good product if you don't have a sales and distribution strategy no one's going to use that product um and so that's really what they taught taught us and then eventually you know being in the u.s actually worked well because we were closer to the major music artists so we would yes. we would travel from silicon valley to los right. angeles and we yep. go to new york um and then we would pitch labels we would uh, meet with the digital executives of these labels we'd also mm-hmm. go to the we went to the austin um south by southwest yep. uh, texas event and we met artists there we pitched them on the spot we actually met up with tq you know the, the west side uh, yeah I, I, i'm an og you know, you know what i'm saying so i know yeah. tq <laughs> <laughs> gotta give it up for the west side there you go <laughs> yeah there you go i, I i'm, yeah, I'm so literally we, we holding my dub it. in the air as we speak right now yeah, uh, me too. So. <laughs> 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 all right so for all you guys who are younger than us just Research teach you, and then you'll understand. You, you, okay. You should play it later in the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I will get copyright infringement, and I don't want to get uh, yeah. by Spotify. <laughs> so no. <laughs> okay. Yeah, true. So That's you true. met TQ. You re- literally hustled um, through all these uh, these uh, artists and labels. Now, also, I know this for a fact for being a heavy music consumer. Labels aren't the nicest guys out there. They have a bad rep. Okay, what was oh, the yeah. hardest part getting them to say yes? Well, actually, that's a good question because we, you know, we pitched like almost all, well, actually, we pitched all major labels and we, we, we probably met up with uh, 30, 40 independent labels, right? Okay. Um, and, you know, we would go to these meetings and they would look at us like some, some kids and, and, and they, would, they would think that, okay, this is another company trying to make more money from us when Spotify and iTunes and this and that are already taking cuts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we really had to convince them of the value of the platform. Okay. Um, and we had to hustle our way to get these meetings, right? We didn't know we didn't know how to get to the digital head of, let's say, Warner Music, right? So we'd have yeah. to add them on LinkedIn. We'd have to message them. We'd have to get um, introductions from various people and so on. And so really that's how it started. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were even times where, you know, we, 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 um, we were so tired of pitching and moving around New York, um, that we would go to a hotel, a hotel and literally just, um, chill in the lobby in, in some wow. corner. And, and one of our staff slept because she was so tired. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So that was the hustle we did to actually, you know, on the business development side. Wow. That's amazing. Now. Okay. So through the highs and lows, um, I know Twit music, you, you ran this for four years. But I was also totally uh, shocked when you guys folded. What what led to its demise, and what, what how did that happen? Well, so the music 
music industry is this really hard industry to monetize, right? Yeah. Um, like artists are, are barely making any money. Yep. Um, and, you know, they, the labels didn't really see a way to, to um, or reason to, to pay for a certain service. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just before I get to that, we actually pivoted. So we went from... Oh, you did? Okay. Uh, yeah, we went from, because we had to monetize, right? We registered yeah. over like 5 million users or something what? in the first version. Yeah, but we were not. We were not. Um, yeah, we were not monetizing, right? Yeah. Because we, we couldn't put advertisement there because we weren't like a, a huge library like like Spotify is yeah. right now, right? We weren't mm-hmm. licensing any music, so yeah, um, we we pivoted to a model where we were we became a social media marketing platform. So we were we allowed oh, labels and artists oh. to launch actual campaigns, like for example, you know, you, they'll, they'll post their song. In order for you to stream the song, you have to submit your email. For them, email had a certain value, yeah, right? Because, because it's a lead that, all of a sudden, right? Exactly, right? Okay. So so that that was the 2.0 version. Mm-hmm. And then um, that's when we went out to the labels and the artists to, to uh, um, pitch okay. them on this Makes idea. Okay. But they didn't they didn't buy it. Um, you know, they I guess they didn't really see the the, the value of social ROI. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and Spotify was growing quite quite big back then. So I think yeah. they were prioritizing that. All right. Now, in, in that said, what 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 was so other than you know, uh, you know, there wasn't any traction in terms, especially especially monetization, right? Um, what 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 describe to us what the final days were? Because I I went through the same shit, man. Uh, you know this party pile was dear to me. You know, uh, I did that for six seven years, and then just just crushing, especially when you realize the game's over. Right. What was that like for you guys? Well, it was hard. Um, I guess it was our first realization that we failed. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, it, it then um, you know you start to think hard if if about the things you did right and things you did wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, eventually we started running out of money, yeah. and we could not pay salaries. We we tried mm-hmm. to raise additional funds. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know the investors, I guess back then were not buying it because the monetization model that we launched was not working. Makes sense. And so, despite numerous efforts to you know pitch them on the, the vision of this 2.0 version that we made for monetization, mm-hmm. they didn't buy in because I guess mm-hmm. the revenue was not uh, substantial enough to reinvest, and it was a bit of a risk for them. Right. And um, you know we 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 could not raise, so we could not pay salaries, and we eventually that's when. You know, Metro Mart came about um, when we decided to shut down with music. We started thinking about other ideas. Correct. Now I'm I'm curious because this is the same thing I also went through. Literally in the last days of Party File, I thought I saw a video of Mark Zuckerberg talking about chatbots, and I'm like, shit! You should have told me this six months ago, and I could have still saved Party File back then. But it was too little, too, yep. too late. But in that process too, you know, you have another eureka mo- moment. You're also, there's a big cloud of doubt all of a sudden because failure does that to you, right? No matter how you think that that idea uh, would, would absolutely make sense and, and also work, that cloud of doubt also creeps into your psyche. And now you're, you're hesitant. Did you ever feel that, that, that as well? Like, shit, I just came for the failure and now I'm not as confident as I used to. Yeah, well, I think somehow, yeah. Um, I think everyone would feel that, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, I 
I, I read a lot of like business books, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of it talks about failure. So, you know, okay. I, I was kind of prepared and um, b because of that failure, despite being, you know, feeling down a bit, yeah. I decided, you know, this is just a learning lesson and I need okay. to pick myself up because, wow. um, you know, let's, I want to, I want to start something. I want to start something new. And I guess, I guess, you know, the four years of quit music kind of tired, tired everyone down. And we were just like saying, yeah. we were just, you know, telling ourselves, okay, it's, it's time to move on. Okay. Um, so I, I think that's the most important part of failure is just really, um, you know, understanding that it, it is a learning experience and Correct. it's like the school of hard knocks, you know, you, you pay the tuition fee and that exactly. tuition fee is the, is, is the financial loss you made from that company. <laughs> Correct. Correct. But that's stuff they don't teach at the university, right? It's, it's that, like, you have to go through it. About, it's about the hustle. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm curious. So you've learned all of these things and I also, again, empathizing with you on this, I actually wrote a, a blog about this, of the things that I learned from that failure so that it's documented and somehow, some way, if I get lost along the way, I just go back there and tell myself, okay, I, I, and then uh, these are the things that I learned. For you, what are the things that you vowed that you're never going to repeat again, especially if, uh, if applying it to now Metro Mart? Um, well, number one is... You have to think about, at least this is the way I think about it, right? Okay. Um, you have to think about your startup as not a startup, you know, more a business, right? I feel like there's this connotation about startups that it's about growth, per, the, you know, pursuing growth at all costs, right? Okay. Um, I, I think, you know, and, and that doesn't really align with what a business is all about. Like a okay. business is all about generating revenue okay. and profit, right? Mm -hmm. um, and while this whole, you know, growth uh, approach works in, in Western countries where there's a, a, you know, a market for, for uh, let's say, a pool of investors that would finance this growth and these right. losses, in certain countries like the Philippines, you don't have that. Yeah. Um, and so that's, I, I guess, that, that's one of the major, you know, lessons I learned that was yeah. beneficial to MetroMart is that we... Well, not not really in the start of Metro Mart because we still had this mentality, but um, more towards the middle and right now, the current period is you know we think of Metro Mart as as a, as a business rather than just a startup, right? We always look at our top line and bottom line, mm -hmm. um, and I mean I probably say that's one of the biggest lessons. It, it's it's really just a mind shift in terms of how to run a, how to run a startup. Absolutely, and also failure teaches that teaches you that because sometimes exactly. when it's especially you're a first time founder, you're so enamored by the glitz and glamour of startup life, like like oh my god, you know all these founders, like the Mark Zuckerberg's of the world, everybody, you know nobody can deny this. Everybody wanted that life too at the start, but until it hits you hard and really smacks you right into the face, and uh, exactly. you realize yeah. that, oh shit, so this is, wasn't. What I thought it would be, right? This is not the Silicon Valley HBO series that you see. Actually, that's pretty accurate. Um, yeah, <laughs> that that series, right? But it's not. It's like like Mike Tyson said, everyone has a plan until he gets punched in the face. <laughs> I'm so fucking lutely. <laughs> there yeah. you go, right? And you know now, humble pie on humble pie on humble pie comes in, and then you kind of once you get over that hump, you you have a healthy middle. Of what that is now before we take our last break i want to understand so it was still you and your brother um how did you start it because uh, in twit music you had a lot of funds after the third month that was pumped in uh for you how did you finance and actually grow this team to, to start uh metro mart from scratch 
Um, well, no, I mean, a lot of funds we, for Metromart we didn't have. Um, yeah, correct. No, I mean, and Twit Music you had. Here, uh, yeah. it's total well, opposite. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, both on the Metromart side, we, we, we basically had to just start from the bottom, right? We built an MVP. Yep. And um, because of the need, right, we, we saw for our own personal, um, you know, need, own personal needs that we would, we wanted to have our groceries delivered because we were so busy in the office. We didn't have time to actually, um, you know, get that, get our groceries and go to the supermarket, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's when my brother actually brought up the idea, um, Chris, who's, who's my, my brother and CTO for Metromart, co-founder and CTO for Metromart. Mm-hmm. Um and so he, he brought up the idea. He said, "Hey, you know, there's a lot of these um, grocery delivery companies in in the U.S. that are uh, popping up in, in in Southeast Asia." And and so he said, "Why why don't we explore that concept here?" So he he actually built the MVP, mm-hmm. and and from there we offered it to our friends. And we said, "Hey, why don't you check this out and, and make an order?" And we just put dummy products there, and we would actually go to the store ourselves. Once they order, we would yeah we would go to the store ourselves to purchase the items and eventually deliver it to them and collect the payment in cash, right? Um, and then eventually they said, hey, you know, it's, it's, it's a good idea. It's a great mm-hmm. idea. And so that's when it kind of gave us uh, more, I guess, motivation to pursue it. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's technically how it started. We didn't, we didn't really start with any capital at all. It was just me and my wow. brother. And, um, and that's, that's, yeah, from there we, we got one, one other on board mm-hmm. and then two and then three. And then eventually now, um, you know, we're, we're at uh, nearly a thousand. <laughs> Over wow. a thousand. That's amazing. All right. Now, uh, before we carry on and talk more, I actually want to dissect how you guys do it uh, so that more founders can actually learn. But let's talk about that more sure. after the break. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again, and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions for liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey, Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. 
Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named Fintech of the Year at last year's Philippine Fintech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back from a break. We're still with Stefano of Metro Mart, who again told us now what those things that he learned uh, from from Twit Music that he was able to apply in Metro Mart. But Steph, when you started this in 2016, this was a little too early for its time. Yes, the on-demand deliver uh, on-demand uh, economy is already there. Uber is there, Grab is there, whatever. But in groceries, you know, uh, there was you, and you had some competition. That was making it rain until they all crashed and burned as well. How were you yeah. able to sustain and not also suffer the same fate? Because again, I'll just be totally transparent. Honestly, fuck the shit up, right? And I've had their former um, uh, country manager here that she was also in the dark of how bad the metrics were in honesty because they were going after the the you know the un- grow- growth at all costs that was that was their thing and they weren't very transparent about how they um did their their financials what did you do different or at least were you aware that that's what they were doing so you played a different game 
Um, yeah, well, you know, when we, yeah, so to, to your first point, when we started Metromart in 2016, yeah, um, you know, we, we essentially pioneered the first on, on demand grocery delivery service. I think there was like one or two, but they were doing like a two, three day delivery, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they weren't getting much traction, so we decided to, um, you know, take it to another level and, and, and to the same standards of what they were offering internationally, right? Which is actually at first we wanted to do one hour delivery. And then, wow. and then my, my dad was like, are you crazy? How are you going to do one hour delivery? Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's like, you should be doing next day delivery. I said, no, um, fine. Let's put it to two hour delivery. Wow. Um, yeah, actually it went to 90 minute delivery. And eventually I think two years ago, we did two hour delivery, right? Um, because uh-huh. 90 minutes is a bit too hard. Uh, especially with the traffic. Yep. Um, yeah, so then in, in 2016, uh, after we launched, um, eight months after, I think another company called Happy Fresh came into the market. Ah, right, um, right, right. And it's, it's, I think it's a Singaporean or Malaysian company. Mm-hmm. And they were funded by some VCs, right? And, mm-hmm. and so they were also making it rain. They were throwing a lot on marketing. They were throwing a lot on giving discounts, coupons, subsidies, yep. everything to actually pursue growth, right? Um, back then, I guess that was in fashion because VCs were, were willing to lose, you know, yeah. spend money on that that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And um, we didn't have that. We didn't have the capital. So we decided, okay, well, I guess we can't compete in the financing. Let's just try to compete in areas where we can compete, which essentially is building a wow. great service and product, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, we didn't know what was going to happen with Happy Fresh. We thought this would be like a, a years-long battle, right? And eventually... Right, right. Um, they, they shut down. They, they, yeah, yeah, they ran out of gas. So they, they were actually in five countries. They pulled back, and I think out of the five, they shut down three or four. Now they're only wow. like two or three, or they at least when they shut down, they were only like two, and eventually now they're in three, right? Okay. Um, and then after in 2019, um, Honest Beef came into the picture, and then Honest yeah. Beef was the same. I guess the same story. So it was it was about uh, well, it was the same story, but to a whole different level, right? Yeah, steroids. <laughs> It was making yeah, it exactly. rain on That's steroids. It. Holy shit. I know. It, it was. Right. <laughs> and, you know, it was kind of scary because mm-hmm. it was kind of scary because essentially if a company is willing to spend that much money um, mm-hmm. for, for the sake of growth, how do you compete with that, right? And, right. and the question is, um, how, 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 I mean, how, how do they access these types of funds and how long can they access these types of funds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were launching like billboards. They were doing a lot of marketing. It was good in the sense that it was converting habits of customers to try out grocery yes. delivery when, when they were doing food delivery, they were used to that with food panda and so on. Right. But, mm. um, and so they, you know, they did, they did kind of introduce the concept of grocery delivery, right. uh, widely the evangelization the part, because that's also the, the, exactly. the, the, the toughest, the toughest not to crack because, um, usually first movers, would have to wait it out until that tipping point where all of a sudden it's a norm, right? Uh, you remember, yeah. I, I always do a shout-out. to shout-out to Michael Ngodi of Tripid. You know, he was the first guy that went to this uh, on-demand car carpooling thing of a jig before Grab and even Uber came in. He got the blunt of it. All the restrictions was stopped into his face. He didn't even have a chance in terms of getting over that hump. But since that was already, she, he was the sacrificial lamb per se. I hate to say it like that. Grab took advantage because now people are aware. In the same way uh, your other competitors did it, they made it rain to make on-demand groceries available. But somehow, some way down the road, you would be benefiting from that because they won't have gas anymore. Yeah, exactly. And you know, they they were really running honest. Be you know, in my opinion, like a marketing company. 
Um, and you know, when we thought when we thought about the the long term prospects of grocery delivery in in the Philippines or in Southeast Asia, we weren't thinking like this is about marketing. We were thinking about this is about logistics. You know, exactly. that's the core fundamentals. Is how do you get the how do you build a sustainable product um, at the cheapest rate that has great customer experience, and customer service, right? Right. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think they their approach was really to hire on the marketing side to really get mm-hmm. the name out there. Our approach was completely on the opposite. Was uh, you know, let's think in the in in, in the long game perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to build a, a, a very um, how do you call it? A technological, um, technologically enhanced Correct. system to be able to accommodate the logistics needed for on-demand two-hour delivery. Imagine for an order of 30, 40 SKUs per order, including fresh, frozen, and dry products, right? Right. Um, so there's a lot of technology and logistics process and operations that need to be put in, you know, in 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 the in the service, right? Okay. Um, so that's what we focused on. Okay, now I'm I'm curious about you said logistics, right? And in logistics, it's not a one-sided uh, market because obviously there's a law of supply and demand in place, right? And you have to play both, and you have to do a a balancing act all the time, you know, especially with users, uh, and of course the 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 merchants, which is you know the the supermarkets that you're you're partnered with. And you bridge that up with again with a system in place along with the riders or whatever that's going to bridge that gap between between the supermarket and the users. What did you do uh, differently? Because again, similar to what you did in Twit Music, you pitch tons of labels. Now I I I would assume you pitch a ton of supermarkets uh, to get on board. And what did you do differently this time that made them say yes? Well, the the first in the first few years it was challenging because they didn't see the value and need to go online. Yeah, um, it was a very novel concept for them. Um, and you know, we we obviously we got a lot of rejections, but we also had you know key key merchants that you know gave it a try and took the risk, right? Mm. Um, so in 2016, we launched with a major supermarket, which was SM. Wow. And then, you know, they brought in yeah they they brought in their Pet Express as well and and other brands. Um, yeah. And and um, so it, it, it's, it was really a constant battle to convince uh, retailers of the value of, doing, of going online and partnering with Metromart as a marketplace and connecting our users to, to their store and us fulfilling the logistics. Um, I mean, that was a challenge, right? Right now, I mean, it's much easier because I, I think the, you know, the understanding of going online is, right. is already becoming like a corporate strategy for yeah. them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, my my desk has around probably a thousand calling cards. Holy <laughs> in, shit! In, in, in the past four years, I've probably had over several hundred meetings. Like literally, me going to these meeting with these retailers right. or partners and and pitching them. And oh. so I've somewhat created like a a natural you know DNA for pitching and and and, and sales or business development, right? But I'm pretty um, sure some of them took more than one pitch, and especially those ones that said no at the at the onset. How did you get them to say yes down the road, considering that it's the same retailer, right? What did you do differently to get them over that hump? Well, I think a key is really consistency. Um, you know, to continuously follow up with them, um, to update them on your progress, to make them understand the value. Um, but also, you know, it's it's also about building that relationship I was talking about, right? Is um, right. 
you know, the, the, the stronger the relationship you have with them, you know, not immediately. I mean, it, it, some relationships right. uh, were, were, were developed in, in three years time. I've, I've had, I've pitched retailers um, from the start three years ago and then eventually partnered with them three years after. Correct. Um, it's a long game. And it took time. Yeah, it took time. Um, and I, I would just continuously message them or greet them, um, you know, in the holidays and establish that report. And eventually, you know, the relationship was strong enough that when they were ready, they said, okay, well, let's try it with Metromart. Wow, um, that's amazing. And that's how it happened. And you said it right as well. A lot of your competition sprinted when in reality, the game was a marathon. You were just pacing it out so you can do the long game. And, you know, it goes to show also with your patience, with, with, your, with, your, with, with how you acquired your, your, your supply uh, in, in terms of getting all these merchants as well. Now, I want to talk about the demand and the logistics side, right? Um, again, a lot of your competitors were also uh, making it rain to acquire users. What did you do differently so that you can have that steady growth without burning and also uh, still taking care of your margins? Well, what we did essentially was, yeah, so we took the long game approach um, right. and we, 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 we determined that this, you know, this company should really be built on um, the logistics and technological capability, right? So we invested a lot into that. Okay. Um, and, you know, as, as we continuously iterated and improved the product, um, you know, customer experience was gradually improving, right? Right. Um, and, you know, we, we weren't so heavily focused on marketing because we knew, you know, I don't know if it was a correct strategy or wrong mm -hmm. strategy or maybe it's it's midway, but we knew that essentially in the long game, um, it's, it's not, a, it's not, it's not the, the company that does the best marketing. It's the company that does the best uh, customer service and experience. It offers the best customer service and experience to the customer, right? Um, and it, it just so happened that I think when, you know, when, when these, when the competitors started shutting down because they, they, um, they pursued that, that strategy of, of pure growth that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we got the marketing at zero cost. And yeah. so a lot of the customers eventually came to us. Organically. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now let's talk about metrics. Okay. Whatever you can share. Don't, don't knock yourself out because, you know, some competition, there's still competition out there. I'm just saying, <laughs> so watch yeah. yourself. Well, I'm just saying you said your metrics at top line and bottom line, you had to really be aware of those. What are those things you cared more about in this strategy that you did? Again, doing long game, doing supply versus demand first or doing marketing. You have there has to be a number that you have to be very aware of that you monitor closely so that you don't tip over. Yeah, well, right now what we really look at is, um, you know, is is really the our, our SLAs, our key SLAs, right on uh, on time delivery. Mm -hmm. So one of them is on time delivery. So we, we need to ensure that essentially, um, you know, our target, which we have around uh, eighty five percent of orders, come within uh, two hours arrive within two mm. hours to the customer. Got it. And right now we're hitting that. So that's, that's nice. good. I mean, you know, if you consider, let's say, um, you know, five minutes late or seven minutes late, then it, it goes up to like 92%, right? Mm. Um, so we're, 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 we're doing quite well in terms of meeting that target. Um, but it's also a matter of um, in-stock and out-of-stock ratios, right? Be because we are a concierge service, yes. we actually pick up at the store. So we rely on the inventory at the store. Okay. Um, and, and what we're trying to do essentially is ensure that the customer has that great customer experience for online grocery shopping. That's really how to convert them from their offline shopping yeah. habits to online mm -hmm. is mim mimicking that behavior, right? So when you're at the supermarket, for example, yourself, 
when you yeah. go there, you, if one, one item is out of stock, you can pick another item. But online, um, you know, we're limited by the SKUs that the supermarkets give us. So we can only right. shop what's, what's on our list. Mm-hmm. Um, so our, our goal is really to ensure that those SKUs are available at the store. And if they're not available, mm-hmm. we go through a process of essentially replacements where, where the shopper can suggest replacements to the customer, right? So we, we really optimize that um, on the technology side um, mm-hmm. to reduce the out-of-stock ratio. Mm-hmm. Now we're at a very good number, which I don't want to disclose, nice. but a very no, good no. number of out-of-stock. Um, <laughs> but also, yeah, okay. it, it's certain numbers I can't really, sorry. <laughs> right. No, no problem. Um, Again, just describing how that's being measured because a lot of startups, especially first-time startup founder, regardless, if you're not measuring a metric and you're not creating action based on a metric that actually applies and it's very core to your business, you're fucked. I'm just saying. It's just yeah. only a matter of time you're going to die, right? Because we exactly. did that, exactly. those same mistakes as ourselves. We, could, we weren't measuring the right shit and we were making a lot of Hail Marys without attaching it to a metric that matters to the whole business. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think founders should really focus on... Um, just like the few key core metrics first, Correct. you know, make sure, make sure those are optimal and you're actually meeting targets that you desire. Right. Correct. Um, and eventually you can move to others once the, the, the core metrics are mm-hmm. already in place. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we also work with our merchants to ensure the, you know, the whole process in store is optimized. Right. Correct. Um, just keep in mind, you know, Metromart compared to the other competitors, we, we do pure grocery delivery. That's really our game. And we want to be the best at on-demand grocery delivery, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's where we really focus on every single detail and aspect of that grocery delivery experience. All right. Now, I want to I, I wanna ask you, this pandemic has either been a boon or a total, you know, uh, uh, a total wrecking ball for a lot of startups. Well, how, was, how did that change things for you guys in, in, in Metro Mart? Oh, wow. It was a crazy ride. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it went, uh, you know, when the pandemic hit and the lockdown happened, um, you know, we, we didn't expect the surge in orders due to that. We weren't mm-hmm. ready. Um, in fact, in that period, we had uh, a lot of customer experience issues, right? Okay. Um, you know, orders just surged. Our, our um, staff couldn't get to, to, to the supermarkets. For example, shoppers couldn't get to the supermarkets because they didn't have motorcycles. Oh, wow. Our riders were scared um, to go to work. And eventually, the, you know, our, our workforce went down, right? Shit. Um, and then eventually, it was that whole transition to work from home where it, it made things very inefficient, at least in the start, because we were not used to doing conference calls all the time. And we didn't have a process for updating and submitting reports um, you know, more regularly than, than we, we, we did when we were at the office, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it took some time to adjust, but I mean, ultimately, I think, you know, it became more productive because, because our staff, let's say, for example, on the sales side or business development, instead of traveling one hour to go to one meeting or two hours to go to one meeting and then back another one or two hours, they can only do one or two meetings, right? But if you do everything via calls, you can mm-hmm. do like five or six meetings in one day. Got it. Um, so eventually it became, you know, it made things more efficient and more productive. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, our, our issue was really to try to solve the, um, the so to try to cater to the demand that was coming in. Mm-hmm. That was very difficult. Um, but, you know, I think we did it. We solved it. We, had, we have a very good team. Our team was able to, 
um, you know, put in uh, solutions despite working from home and, and not being able to do the things freely like they would when they were in the office. But we, we also expanded to like Cebu. We expanded wow. to, um, yeah, actually this is all during the lockdown. We, we figured yeah. out a way to, to remotely expand to different cities. So we, we did, we did Cebu, we expanded to Batangas. We, we did Laguna, Cavite, what? Uh, Marikina. Yeah, we, wow. we've actually never even visited those cities. We, we, <laughs> we said, okay, let's create a template for Cebu that we activate that, that city okay. remotely without even having to go there. And that's again, <laughs> we applied that. Because you invested heavily in your tech and logistics without having to put the, a physical ground. You're just literally putting a, putting a dial like, all right, let's wrap this up. Boom. And then let's see. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, our team is great. You know, our team is, you know, they're like powerhouses. They, they, they're here for the mission. You know, they, they really work hard to, to, you know, to really grow the company and, and reach our mission. Now I want to talk to you about that team, you know, because I oh, you from the from the start it was you and your brother. How did you grow grow it, and what is the management style, I guess, in that you put in place uh, that in, that enables for, for superstars or uh, you know great great people or great talents to thrive? Yeah, that's actually a very good question. Um, well. You know, I, I think the key is also to have a, um, you know, uh, to put in place uh, key key staff on the management level. Yeah. Um, that can lead lead uh, their respective departments, right? Yeah. And and from there, each department, essentially, at least in Metro Mart, is in charge of ensuring the right staffing, but getting quality candidates. Yeah. Um, and and empower, empowering them to actually do and fulfill their tasks, right? And yeah. So instead of, instead of micromanaging, it's more like the macro, mm-hmm. <clears throat> macro-managing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's very hard to find, um, you know, talented individuals specifically for what we were doing, right? Yeah. Um, because you can go to a logistics company and, you know, they're, they're, their ways are very traditional. Correct. Um, they can have, uh, you know, very They're very rigid and, already. Uh, it's very hard to... For them to unlearn things, especially if they've been around for, for that long, because they they're they're gonna be stiff and like ah, but we used to do it like this, like you know I hate <laughs> I hate the yeah. like yeah don't don't bring me your 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 old shit here because we're totally something we're making something totally different here. Exactly, yeah, and and it's it's a it's it's a mentality uh, issue, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, we we really look for people who are open minded. Um, yeah high energy, passionate about work, um, and, you know, who, who want to excel and who are ambitious, right? Correct. And so that's, that's you know, that's that's what we look for when we interview candidates. Nice. And then again, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but there is always a learning curve because like what I said, there's no such talent out there that's ready to be Metromart. If they're, and if they are, it's either they're very expensive or they're hard to find. So you really have to teach yeah. them from the, 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 the skills, especially the, the hard skills to... To, for them to be able to contribute um, at a very, very uh, productive way. Yeah, correct. That's, All right. Um, yeah, good point. All right, last question. I know you got to do some daddy stuff, my man. But we, we <laughs> you heard both... my daughter. She was calling me. <laughs> Sorry, daughter. <laughs> One like, second. It's my turn to interview you. Okay, right. <laughs> when, when you go old enough, we will give you a podcast. All right. But uh, I need five more minutes of your dad, real quick. But okay, Steph, you both we've been both 
to uh, again, uh, this is one thing we share. We both failed in our previous startups spectacularly, right? Uh, got yeah. got a significant amount of users and then lost it all. Now a lot of founders, again, because of this pandemic, uh, have been swept, or founders, business people, whatever you call yourself, right, have been swept. Um, but we were able to bounce back, right? Uh, and a lot of people right now are still going through that process of trying to bounce back. What would be your tip for them uh, in terms of you know picking up uh, the pieces again? Because you were able to figure it out. Uh, it, it wasn't overnight. Same with me. I took, took a lot of pain and a lot of getting over my self-doubt. But eventually, you will. But what was, what's your tip for them uh, while they're going through that process now? Um, well, let's just say it was meant to happen. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think, you know, people should not really think about failure as something that's not meant to happen, right? Uh, you should always think as failure. Oh, it was meant to happen because that's the only way you're going to learn, right? Um, right? And, you know, if, if you look at that way that failure, you should invite failure versus push it away. Then um, you know you, I think the, your mindset starts to change and you take more risks and 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 you're just you know your your skin becomes harder right you're more resilient yeah um, so if you do fail it's 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 not end of the world it's actually the start of things because without your failure you would have you would not be able to start you know your next company and 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 learn and and create some wisdom right. Um, so, you know, fa failure is actually very important in life and you should use it as a challenge to, to do better. And, um, you know, if you look at all the successful entrepreneurs, um, in the Philippines or, you know, internationally, they, they've all failed in, in their own, in their own ways, right? We've it's, all it's not, fucked up. It's not just, <laughs> yeah. And it's not just going to be them or it's not just going to be us or, you know, it's, it's everyone has failed. Um, and you know, the, the people that actually accept the failure and learn from it are the ones that come out more successful. I mean, it, it sounds, you know, for a person from a first time entrepreneur, it, it sounds like just generic words, right. Or, right. um, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's actually very important to fail and, right. and they should not take it lightly and, um, you know, take it as a, a learning lesson. And failure, just like success, also is temporary. You know, you have to put in the work the day after. Whether you fail now, it's back to zero again tomorrow. And same yeah. with success. If you're successful now, okay, that's a win. On to the next one, right? So yeah. that consistency. Exactly. One thing I also want to just add on to what you said was the, the pandemic is the greatest equalizer I've ever seen in my whole lifetime. Right. You know, all of a sudden there's there's all these institutions are, are shattered and whatnot. So any new opportunity that you see that nobody sees, you can easily win this game, uh, you know, uh, if you do it again. And you don't have to be the fastest as well and be reckless about it. Look at what how, did, how and how Stefano did it. But Steph, before I let you go, um, what uh, can they expect from Metro Mart 4? And again, we have a little gift, right? Uh, you have a little promo code that they can use for at least uh, or whatever time period that you, you want to give it for. But what, what's up next for Metro Mart and invite people over to try it out very soon? Yes. So, you know, we're, we're continuously expanding the service. We're adding new, new merchants, new retailers. Um, you know, I, I, next, actually in two weeks' time, we're going to be adding another um, major and in, very interesting retailer that I think everyone's going to 
be happy there about. Go. There you go. Um, but we're also expanding uh, geographically, so we're already looking outside Metro Manila to, to, to launch new cities. Um, you know, our, our service has improved a lot since the pandemic. I know a lot of people tried their service during the pandemic or the, the lockdowns, right? Um, and may, maybe it got turned off, but, you know, I invite you to try it again because, you know, we've, we've um, improved dramatically um, since then. And, um, yeah, and we are giving a promo code yes. called, well, how do you want to call it? Hustle Share, of course. Okay, Use the promo share. code Hustle Share and you'll see what you're going to get out of that. So it, it's a secret. Yeah, so well, let's try it out upon checkout. Okay. All right. Hustle Share. Um, starting Monday, we'll give it out for a week. Yep. Um, use the promo code check out from any store and you'll, you'll get uh, your, your okay. price. So just to be very specific, Monday, uh, as we release this episode, is on the 28th of September. So it count seven days from that. If you're listening after the 28th and it's been seven days, don't use it anymore. It's not going to work. Okay? So yeah. <laughs> 20, Terms 20. and conditions apply. There you go. <laughs> not everything's free, guys. So if you do listen to this now and if you want to check out Mark, Metro Mart, Use the promo code Hustle Share and get a free something, something from me and Tapano. But again, Tap, thank you very much. It's, um, it's, uh, oh, nice. Yeah. Sorry, that's your shopper saying, applauding. Sorry, you were saying something? No, I was saying the, the, the cost for the promo code is on run. So oh, make yes. sure to utilize it as, <laughs> as much as possible. Yeah, I will have a long time. <laughs> no, I'm, <after> <laughs> I'm joking. But again, Steph, thank you very much. All right, thank you very much. All right, but Happy before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever app, just follow the button there. And again, if we did say some jargon like SLA, SKU, whatever, don't worry, we got you. It's going to be in the show notes in the hustleshare.com show notes. It's going to be there so you don't have to Google anymore. And again, Follow us in the uh, Hustle Share community on Facebook if you want to help us grow this startup. I mean, this, this is not a startup. It's a podcast. So again, if you want to suggest yes there, you just check it out. And again, lastly, message us in the Hustle Share chatbot at m.me slash hustle share powered by chatbot. Again, bro, thank you very much. Thank you. Happy to be here. Let me know when the next podcast is. Absolutely. All right. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.